I feel like my purpose as an entrepreneur is to push a a positive social purpose and and basically spread positivity when it comes to um, business. And I love working with businesses that, you know, do social good, have a social good component. Um, but I really want to spread that positivity because there's a lot of businesses that are focused just on, you know, the hard cash and profits. And there's people that are out there doing work they're not passionate about. So what I love, uh, I think my purpose is to help those people really that are doing the right thing, help them do the right thing. Thanks for tuning in to the Purposeful Story Podcast where purpose drives our actions and our actions are a result of our purpose. When you have a strong enough purpose, every action you take in life has meaning and power to it. Every entrepreneur is on a journey to fulfill their purpose, and the world needs to hear it. So without further ado, let's get right into the show. So today we have Daniel Francovella, owner and founder of Now Creates. Daniel's company partners with other companies to help bring out the creative juices in the rebranding phase of these companies. Just to name a few of his clients, he's worked with TELUS, Tridal, and CBC. A strong trait I see in Daniel is that he's really good at seeing the positive things in people that they may not even see in themselves. And this is why I'm so excited to have him on the show today. Daniel, thanks for coming on the show today, man. No problem. I'm excited to be here. I know it's been a while to coordinate. We're busy entrepreneurs, but yeah. I'm, I'm happy to be on. Okay, okay. How you doing, though? Pretty good. Pumped up, as as usual. I uh, just came from uh, another event, you know, mentoring some students and, nice. and, and working on my design work, and uh, I'm doing pretty well. Nice, nice, nice. So... Now Creates is what it's called, right? Your uh, now Creative Group, yeah. Uh, now Creative so our Group. Username everywhere is Now Creates. Okay. Um, so we're actually, yeah, we're gonna work on, uh, we're gonna work on a little bit of a tweak on the branding mm-hmm. to make that very clear. But yeah, so now Now Creative Group. Okay. Okay. So how did you even come up with that name? Um, so I came up with it because I was just me. I was just had a personal brand. It was actually called Daniel Design. Very, very simple, very plain. Mm-hmm. And um, so I decided to create a brand that. Um, I wouldn't have to change. I wouldn't want to, like, I wouldn't get bored of it basically. So, mm-hmm. you know, I thought of some really creative ideas and I thought, you know what, something like now makes sense because I'm always about urgency, right? Like, you know, the clients, obviously sometimes, uh, they're the ones who want stuff now, right? They're the ones who want stuff very quickly. But for me, um, I'm just about productivity and hustle and, um, you know, I'm not a very patient person. Mm-hmm. So I thought now was a great thing. Uh, and the second reason was just now, as in like the present moment, you know, what's current, what's fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, a lot of times clients that work with us, they've come with other design agencies or web design companies that are, you know, using kind of older, um, older processes, right? And so we're the now, we're the fresh ones. Okay. Okay. It makes sense. Yeah. Cause even when I first seen your logo now, it's like, <laughs> You know, what is this? But it still draw me in. Like, I still wanted to ask more questions. You right, know what I mean? Right. It's, yeah, it's general enough that it could, it, be, it could become anything, right? Mm-hmm. And we could expand into different things. Um, but it's also specific in the context of what we do. So. Yeah. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. So was this always something that you wanted to do? Did you always want to start your own branding company? Um, it started off just pretty much, I only really knew about what graphic design was. Um, so then in high school, I learned a lot about design and video production. And, um, because I got some clients in design that got me to do web work. 
And as a result of doing web design work, I realized that there's much bigger picture, stuff like social media, stuff like ads and campaigns. And so um, when I took advertising in high school, I, I thought of it as only for like the multi-million dollar um, agencies or like massive brands, right? Like those fashion brands or those big, you know, Pepsi and Coke type brands. And then what I realized from entrepreneurs that I worked with just very small clients who want to pay, you know, small fee for a business card design, right? Yeah. What I learned from them was that, you know, they actually have plans to grow their business and there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of businesses that are um, much smaller than, you know, the big ones we see on TV and they have a huge need as well. Mm -hmm. So I kind of resonated with, um, with that and wanted to be able to tell, help people tell their story. Um, knowing how to do it visually, uh, was just, you know, my entry point, right? So, uh, I would always help out with like, you know, stuff even like back in elementary school, right? Like designing stuff, doing, doing flyers, doing posters for school events. That's where I really got the, the test run. Um, and I realized like, Hey, this is the way I could contribute. Mm -hmm. Um, so with my nonprofit as well, right? I started off by creating a website and design work well before I launched my business. Mm -hmm. And that's how I knew that this stuff could have uh, impact. Okay. So when did you start your nonprofit then? So the nonprofit actually started when I was in grade 10. Wow. So around, yeah, around uh, age 16. And um, that started because I came back from a trip through high school, Dominican Republic, and I was super inspired. I know I wanted to do something to help. I wasn't planning on starting a nonprofit right then and there. Um, but what happened was, um, I gave a presentation about, you know, listen, here's what I saw. Here's what the need is. These kids want to go to school so they can get out of that situation, but they can't because of stupid things like they don't have shoes mm -hmm. or, uh, they can't afford the uniform or they can't afford bus fare, like very small barriers, right? But for them, it would just meant they wouldn't go to school at all. So, I figured that we could do a school supply drive or some type of collection just for uniforms. And I presented at uh, my local church uh, and at school. And then I realized like this thing, this thing got traction, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, we raised $8,000 on the first weekend. Wow. And I wasn't expecting that. Even my, even my mom, she thought, you know, people are just going to give pocket change here and there. Right. Because I wasn't a legitimate, credible known organization. I was just Daniel who came back from Dominican Republic. Um, and so because of that, I got the go ahead from the community and just started doing, uh, continuous fundraising speeches, you know, grew a team. Um, so from that, that was like my first, uh, venture officially. I learned how to literally like register a domain name, like all those basics that, you know, you could do super quickly right now. Mm -hmm. Back then, uh, it, this makes me feel super old, but I actually had to mail a check to the, to the, the domain registration company. Wow. Um, this is like before, uh, I knew about GoDaddy and stuff and yeah. those big brands, right? And, uh, it was some Canadian site and they, they literally like a week or two later sent me the confirmation email, like <laughs> your domain is purchased and it went from there. So I literally figured out how to do those basic things because of access. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, even some of the social media stuff, right? I got a taste of all that uh, at that point. Yeah. Doing graphics to promote it, uh, running events, Facebook events, stuff like that. Um, obviously social media has evolved a lot. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so that was almost 12 years ago, actually. So March, March 4th and 5th, uh, 2006 was the actual weekend that I, uh, did that pitch in the church and got the $8,000 fundraiser. And so, yeah, it's been 12 years this month, basically. Wow. That's, that's amazing. That's powerful. <laughs> um, cause I know in high school, you were very active with a lot of 
you know, organizations and just events outside of high school. Totally. Yeah. I was involved in a lot of stuff with the city, city of Brampton, mayor's youth team, church stuff, um, all kinds of community uh, initiatives. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of started spending the time building access. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's interesting. I always tell, you know, any high school student that I'm mentoring, you know, they always um, come to me for certain opportunities, but a lot of times opportunities are right in front of them. You know what I mean? It's literally based on some, your own experiences, right? Something that you're faced with, or even, even a friend or family member, right? Mm -hmm. You see them, you see a need and most people don't really act on it. Maybe they'll share something about it on social media and that's it. Yeah. Um, But for me, uh, I always knew I wanted to make some type of impact. So that was just the perfect, you know, way where I was kind of pushed into it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I never expected to formally launch a nonprofit at that age, obviously. But, um, it was still, you know, the key is that it has to already be in line with what you believe in, right? Yeah. Absolutely. So your interests and what you're passionate about, um, align. Um, and then the, the company came as a result of my skills, right? So my skills were in design, creativity. Um, and as that grew, as I started freelancing, I realized like I could probably turn this into an actual business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So again, no plans to really launch my own business after high school, but, um, I did some, you know, freelance work here and there on the side, as many people do, even people that are working full time do that. Right. Yeah. Um, but I guess, uh, I, I saw the potential in these clients, as I mentioned earlier, where, you know, Hey, they're super small right now, but, the stuff I'm doing for them actually um, helps them get to the next level, mm-hmm. right? So if, if they're launching a product and I'm doing the packaging design, right? Or if they don't even have enough money to afford packaging, but I'm designing the stickers with their logos on it that they can that they can put on their products. I'm helping people to become their, – their companies come a little bit more legitimate or a little bit more real. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of how I started doing the design work. That's solid, man. So – I guess with now creates, I guess from the time you graduated from high school, um, how, 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 how long was that gap till you started now creates officially? Right. So I was, like I said, I was kind of freelancing in, in school, um, and in, in university. So I went to OCAD, mm-hmm. four year design degree. Um, so I was definitely freelancing during that time as well as running access because I didn't feel like university was giving me, uh, there was certain part, like it's four year degree, right? So there's certain times in there where I was like, all right. I should just start taking on clients now, right? Yeah. Or like, hey, I should just go and run access, you know? But um, I stuck it through because education is obviously important and I wanted to get that full degree under my belt mm-hmm. just for future opportunities. Um, there were parts of OCAD where um, the, the the courses weren't super fulfilling or the work was, you know, very slow paced. And that's when I um, freelanced, right? And mm-hmm. so um, I got the, the experience, which obviously led to other clients and other clients, um, a couple of my profs even referred me some clients and that's how, um, I really got the confidence to, you know, turn into something bigger. So I would say that after university living in Toronto, I moved back home to Brampton when I graduated. Um, there was a, a, a roughly about a year, year and a half that I was just freelancing and doing access stuff. And then I realized, okay, um, you know, I, I'm not going to be really, I, I'm not interested in applying for full-time jobs anywhere. So let me, um, let me step up my game with the business. Mm-hmm. And that's after, um, almost two full years of freelancing after graduation. That's when I officially registered in our creative group. Okay. So that was in, uh, the spring of 2013. Uh, and I graduated in the spring of 2012. Um, so I had pretty much done, um, like I said, 
full year of freelancing and then all that time beforehand before I decided, let me just launch this thing. Okay. Um, and the reason for launching it was again, I was still, um, I was always, I was always an entrepreneur doing, doing freelance work and projects, but I needed a bit of a change, um, from being me, just Daniel the freelancer, because there was projects that I couldn't take on, right? Because either, you know, people would think that we're too small or there wasn't a we, it was just me, or I would be, uh, handing off a lot of work to my friends from OCAD that went to design school and not really getting much of a cut from these projects. So from a business perspective, my time definitely wasn't going to be paying off. You know, if you're paying me uh, $200 to design a business card and I'm paying my friend $150 to do that, plus I'm paying the transaction fees and dealing with the client communication, <laughs> there's not much left, right? Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, so the solution was to, you know, step up the, the, the company, um, switch from a freelancer to starting my own agency. Mm-hmm. And for the first year of that agency, Although we were branded as now creative group, it was still me, right? Still freelancer, um, passing on work to people here and there. Mm-hmm. But the new people we got were, were in it as a mindset of this is now an agency. This is not just some guy named Daniel from Brampton. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how kind of started building up the clientele there. That's solid, man. That's solid. So as I mentioned earlier, you work with some pretty high profile clients. Um, you know, many would think, you know, any freelancer out there would think, it's impossible to get a hold of these guys. How did you, how did you get a hold of some of these clients? Um, yeah. So a number of them were, uh, through connections that I had from doing. So you mentioned earlier, you know, all my community involvement, right? So mm-hmm. all the stuff I did with the, the city of Brampton, with some nonprofits, um, with my own nonprofit. Um, so that actually led to a lot of contacts later down the line. So years later. So funny enough, it wasn't like I got a referral, you know, my first year, um, to do this work. It was literally years later when I'm still in business and I have a different perspective on things and they have these needs, um, we're able to work together, which is great. And they'll refer people to me. But, um, how I got some of those bigger clients, again, all based on connections and having a a sample portfolio. Mm. So even though the brands that I had worked on, uh, in my first year or two, you would probably know zero of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I would use that collective experience to then, uh, showcase my work to a bigger brand. Mm-hmm. So let's say that it is uh, a nonprofit like Share Life. So Share Life is a very large organization. Yeah. They fund like 22 or 25 different charities all across the GTA. Um, for them, uh, I was in contact with them because I had done charitable work, for example. And all I had to really do was showcase the fact that, hey, you know, I've, I've managed social media for my, for not, for my nonprofits. Here are three or four of our other clients that are in the space of the, of the charity and nonprofit space. And that got us, uh, that got me the chance to have a meeting and to, to present it to them, right? And, you know, having some, some, some mutual connections, meaning like they do serve our area that I'm from, right? So mm-hmm. they serve Brampton, you know, knowing some of the nonprofits that they fund. Um, there's that, there's that familiarity. And so I recommend to anyone who's kind of starting a business is to go after the familiar first, right? Because there's always opportunities there. Mm-hmm. Instead of just pitching, you know, cold pitching everyone, think really hard about um, who can connect you to someone else, who could connect you to someone else. Or um, if you have zero contact with them, what's the what's the thing you guys have in common, right? Mm-hmm. So if you find out that the entrepreneur um, went to the same 
uh, high school as you, or you guys were part of the same organization that you volunteered with. There is immediately that connection. Um, mm-hmm. So that's how I got a lot of my first few clients. Um, the larger ones, um, such as Tridel, for example, um, were referrals through consultants, right? So if you're in the marketing space, creative space, um, there's a lot of strategists and consultants that all they do is the ideas and the plans, right? They don't actually have the ability to do any design work or video work or web design work. So they're constantly um, partnering up with people to outsource that work to. Mm-hmm. So that's another one of the ways that you can get big brands. Um, but... Uh, a lot of these companies or consultants do have things like confidentiality or um, things where, you know, you're not allowed to use them as a portfolio piece because they're technically their client. So as long as you can kind of clarify that and you're in the right situation, um, my, you know, I recommend having direct contact with the client too, not just through, you know, a consultant. Yeah. Uh, then you can definitely build your portfolio that way. Okay. That's interesting stuff, man. And, that's a testament because a lot of, you know, people starting out, they want to sort of jump the gun, but yeah. you got to, you got to do the groundwork, right? To make it there. Yeah. You sure. can't just go like, if you want to pitch someone like Under Armour, for example, right? Mm-hmm. They have great marketing. They, they, you know, they're, they're very trendy. They feel approachable with their social media and stuff, but you can't just go. You, yes, you can. Sorry. I'm not going to say don't approach yeah. them, but you know that they probably employ uh, a whole marketing team on their own plus two or three massive agencies, right? Mm-hmm. One that does media buying, one that does their online digital spend, one that does TV ads and, and the rest of the material. So there's going to be a gate there, right? To, several gates to get through. Yeah. Um, but if you can work with, let's say, three or four small health and fitness brands and actually get them some exposure, show them what you've done, create a really great video, then there could be a chance that they could outsource one piece to you, right? And the, the goal is to get one project with them, right? Mm-hmm. You don't need to become their uh, go-to person for, for your work. You literally need to get one project with them because that puts you on the map. And then you can say that we've worked with Under Armour, for example, right? Yeah. Uh, not to say that I've ever approached Under Armour or worked <laughs> with them. Everything I said is, is just hypothetical based on a large company. Yeah. But honestly, yeah, you get one project and um, that can really help you go to the next one. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I'm sure you have, you know, your own methods when it comes to, I guess, rebranding a company or helping out a company um, in terms of the direction they're headed. Could you, I guess, br- briefly take us through what that process would look like? Sure. So um, I guess there's two types of situations. One is if we're doing a rebrand or a refresh, and then one is if it's, uh, you know, a brand from scratch, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, a lot of stuff will, will definitely be similar. But um, if we're looking at a rebranding and this year or more, um, sometimes they don't realize that their product could be fine or their service and their customer service could be amazing, but people aren't resonating with that brand, right? Mm-hmm. So what we do is uh, we usually do a strategy session with the client. Um, that'll involve uh, usually one of our lead strategists. We have two different strategists we work with depending on the industry that they're in. Um, and I'm usually involved in that process uh, or, or the actual session. Um, then we'll usually have at least one other person from the designer creative team there. And the goal from that session is to put everything on the table, right? What are the goals? What's not working? And what are, you, what are we actually trying to get to? Um, what are the limits, right? Because with every client, there's going to be limits. Mm-hmm. If you don't acknowledge their kind of boundaries, then you're going to probably waste a lot of time um, just shooting out <laughs> ideas and concepts, right? Yeah. So we figure out what those are. Um, one of our strategists, uh, actually both of them do, depending on the size of the client, they'll get very deep and personal with the, the entrepreneurs, with the owners, because that's how you can find out like what are those actual pain points and what's their five-year, 10-year goal, right? Mm-hmm. Normally, they're not going to just email a design firm and be like, hey, 
uh, in 10 years, my goal is to own 10 <laughs> franchises, blah, blah, blah. They're not going to say that, right? Mm. But by understanding the, those goals, um, we're able to make a recommendation that's going to make the most sense, right? And be the right fit. Um, so then we take the strategy document, get that approved by the client, right? Everything's confirmed, uh, help them with their values, their vision, all of that. Um, then we get to the design process. So usually our lead designer, um, will get started on, on branding. We'll do a brainstorming together. Um, my role in the agency is creative director. So I oversee all those projects. Um, what we do is uh, give them several options when it comes to names, when it comes to visuals um, that are all based on their target audience that they're trying to reach. And then uh, we present them usually three to five options. From there, um, the client is going to either say, yes, these two are in the direction I'm looking at, or um, this one is the direction I'm looking at. I want to see more of it. Um, or they'll just say, go back to the drawing board. So at that point, we do try to get at least one of those five concepts to work. And then from that concept, we do three or four variations of that concept, right? So let's say that they like the direction of um, giraffes. So let's just say for random. Yeah. We choose giraffes. We go with that direction. And then we start playing with different colors and textures and fonts that go with the giraffe's theme. Maybe some of it is maybe it's a silhouette of a giraffe. Maybe um, we get some photography done. Maybe it's just a pattern of the giraffe's skin. Maybe it's whatever those options are. Uh, maybe it's just typography-based. No visuals, right? Once we present those options, then the client has has to basically make a decision. Um, from that decision, we then show them what it will look like uh, to be applied everywhere. Mm -hmm. So we really want them to know that we're not just handing you a logo file, being like, "Here's this, you know, here's this JPEG, go use it." Um, we're actually going to give you different variations, different styles, different colors. We're going to give you versions that work. Um, you know, of course, you can place it on different backgrounds, right? Um, because we don't want you to. Um, Take what we give you and mess it up, let's say, right? Yeah. Because realistically, um, you know, you're busy, focused on your business, and you're probably not a designer. That's why you're coming to a design agency, right? Yeah. Um, so our goal from there is to give you all the assets. And then sometimes what will happen is, um, you know, if there's a good trust going on or if there's more budget available, we'll start turning that into something. Mm. So we'll do a video about the brand and tell the story or we'll we'll do some copywriting where we'll actually write some new positioning for your website, right? And we'll help you create some graphics to showcase your new brand or we'll do a social media plan to launch it. And depending on the size of the business, sometimes we'll deliver that strategy and that is enough for them and their team to go do it. And that feels great too, because you know that they're taking the direction and they're, they're applying it. But for kind of medium sized organizations, nonprofits, um, they, they don't have that team to do it, right? They might have a quote unquote director of marketing or something and that's it. No one underneath them. And so they need, they need us to help execute that. Mm -hmm. Jeez, you're giving up a lot. Man. You're giving up a lot. <laughs> Explaining the full process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. <laughs> because the thing that's the, obviously there's there's parts of the process that are different that mm -hmm. we do, but it's more about what happens in those sessions, right? Yeah. What happens in those sessions and what our recommendations are. That's the th that's the stuff that's like uh, proprietary or unique to what we do, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that sort of leads into my next question, right? Like, there's tons of branding companies out there that make a lot of claims. They've even approached me, like. I can get you tons of followers. I can get you a big following. Right. Um, you know, how do you sort of differentiate yourself from that type of group as to, you know, as, as to now creates? Like, how do you differentiate the two? Right. I think so. What some of those people are doing is they're, they're looking at social media, for example, as like a commodity, right? Mm -hmm. So they're looking at, 
they're not looking at the bigger picture of growing the brand. For us, um, our kind of motto, our tagline is like building brands and sharing stories. Mm. So none of that has to do with um, sales or likes or follows, right? Yeah. So what that means is, yes, if something's successful, it could go viral or you could get a huge uh, amount of uh, following or traction with it. But our goal is not... If someone says, listen, I want you guys to get us 10,000 likes on this Instagram photo and that's all they're hiring us for, we're not going to, we're not going to be the right firm for them, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that we can't do it. Sure. We'll put, we'll put a bunch of money on this post and promote it for you. Yeah. But what is the post even, mm-hmm. right? Like, is that post something that people are going to like? Is it high quality? Does it, does it look appealing? What is, what's the call to action, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, when people approach you from a design perspective or a marketing perspective, like design, again, you can get design for $5, right? Yeah. It's, it's literally, um, a commodity. When I talk to you about our process, that's the value, right? Mm. You got a team of people, a whole team of people. There's no one project at now creative group that is done by one person, right? Mm-hmm. There's always other people looking at it. We have a dedicated account manager that supervises everything. We have a creative direction for myself. And then we have multiple people that execute that. For mm-hmm. you. So when it comes to something like, you know, yeah, a gimmicky type of campaign, those are what's called vanity metrics, right? So they're just, they just look good. Um, it's going to give people an impression that, you know, you know what you're doing, but it's not something that's sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, and for us, we want to build something that's quality and, um, and then it can take off, right? Then you can pay to boost it or you can work with an influencer mm-hmm. or you can take out an ad or whatever it is, right? It's some type of campaign where we get people to share for you, but just to guarantee likes or shares or followers or subscribers or whatever, uh, is not the right goal, I would say. Mm-hmm. It's not the now way. <laughs> it's not the now way. Yeah. Okay. Okay. As a business owner, the more you can leverage your time, the better it is for your company. There is this amazing online resource called Fiverr, where you can hire someone for just $5 to do just about any task for you, whether it be logo design, market research, videography, or website building, Fiverr has it all. Please go to iamkobe.com forward slash resources and click on the Fiverr icon to make an account. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Welcome to the Purposeful Story Round, where we ask the right questions that really bring out the purpose behind our entrepreneurs and their journey. So, Daniel, just for um, just to let you know, I'm pretty much going to ask you a series of about 10 questions okay. um, that require brief answers. Okay? All right. So, what is an everyday habit that adds value to your purpose? Um, I would say a big habit or an everyday habit that I that I um, like to do is I browse through seems counterproductive, but I browse through social media mm-hmm. and I actually follow up with a lot of our clients that we've worked with in the past. For me, um, seeing their success, seeing them share stuff, and showing that that we as now creative group support their business still. Um, is something that I can do that I find I find really powerful, really effective. Um, there's a lot of projects that come and go, right? We might never even hear from them again mm-hmm. um, for another year even, right? Um, whereas there's other people that we work with on a daily basis, but I'm not necessarily their contact, right? So what I do is um, I'll search up their stuff on Instagram or Twitter and simple, reply or like or just contribute to the discussion that they're having. Um, today was International Women's Day, so you know one of our clients that we worked with a while back did a post about that, and it was it was a contest. So uh, as now creative group, I'm going to be there and I'm going to share that, right? Mm-hmm. So even though again we haven't worked with them in several months, 
um, that presence and that connection is there. Okay. Sounds good. If you could have a conversation with one person living or dead, who would it be and why? Oh my gosh. There, there's quite a, there's quite a few people. Um, one of the people that I have kind of very briefly met is Gary Vanderchuk. Nice. Um, I would love to go a little bit more in depth with him on, you know, some of the, some of the things that, um, some of the challenges that he's faced, right? Because mm-hmm. he usually gives tips and he's great about that, telling people what to do. But I would love to know, you know, in his business, growing his agency, how did he get from, you know, 10 people to 800 people, right? There's definitely some major things that happened there. Yeah. Um, and it's not just money, right? It doesn't, money doesn't make you grow that big that yeah. quickly either. It's more about, um, your process and, and what did you overcome to do that? What did you give up to do that? Yeah. Right? So, uh, definitely Gary V. Um, there's definitely a few others, but I don't have them on top of my head. Okay. Okay. What is your main strategy for organizing your day? Um, for me, I'm not the greatest at organizing my day when it comes to the, like, you know, working at the, you know, perfect timing and productivity and that type of stuff. Um, but what I do is I like to balance it off. Uh, I know that when there's things that I don't want to do that are draining, let's say stuff like interviews and doing accounting and stuff like that. Um, I'll make sure that I group that with something, um, energetic and fun, right? Mm -hmm. So for example, if I know that I have like a crazy early morning, um, and we're going to be at a shoot all day, I'll make sure that, um, in the afternoon or evening, I'm, I'm actually meeting with someone who's going to be inspiring or have a good energy, right? Yeah. Um, or I'm going to make sure that that same day I'm releasing a blog post or something that I'm comfortable or happy with sharing, right? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what I do to, to plan my day out. If I, if I, uh, it's happened a couple of times where like, just stuff had to happen that day where like every single thing in there is a challenge or, 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 uh, you know, a task that's not the most fun. Um, I just, I got, it's, it's a mindset. I got to tell myself that I'm just going to get through it and not just to get through it, to get it over with, but to get through it because it's going to help. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we're doing stuff as entrepreneurs because we choose to do it. Yeah. Absolutely. So why am I sitting through 12 interviews straight in a day and like hating that, not being able to respond to anything on my phone, repeating the same descriptions of our company. Why am I doing that? Because in the end, I'm going to hire someone who's going to work for us hundreds of hours, right? Yeah. Longer than I'm spending interviewing them. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of look at that a little bit. Okay. Okay. Nice. What was your worst entrepreneurial moment and what did you learn from it? Um, there, there's, there's a few small things here and there. One of the worst was, um, when I had, uh, I actually worked with, um, uh, one of the, so one of the organizations associated with OCAD, uh, it was actually not the school at all. Actually, the school has been a great client. So I've, I've worked with three different departments at OCAD, um, on a bunch of projects, which is great. But one of the uh, associations or associated organizations with OCAD, um, we had done this great pitch to redo their website and create this directory and all this stuff. And, uh, the project was a go. They made the deposit. Everything went well. But, um, for whatever reason, their board had a lot of uh, comments and there's a lot of people on the board that weren't familiar with the web process and how things work. So there's, there's definitely a lack of confidence at that point. So one of the things that happened was, is, um, I got a bunch of, of funds from, from this project up front and decided to actually invest that in another opportunity through my company. And for whatever reason, a couple months into the project, despite all of our best efforts, we had this final meeting where we could convince them to like let us continue with the project or they wanted a full refund. That was the condition. Mm. They put us in the situation where, yes, you can have another chance to pitch your, you know, to, to tell us 
Or, but if we say no, we get the money back, right? So I took the opportunity. I brought in, there was like five of us there, like developers, everyone was ready to pitch. And the, you know, someone on their committee had basically told them that like, Hey, I can do this for you guys. No problem. Wow. No need, no need to have this, this firm in here. And so, um, the money that I had was tied up with, yeah. with that I had just, um, uh, used for something else for the business was tied up because that was the money I just gotten paid. Yeah. And so this was like, again, in like probably year two or three. And so, um, I remember literally it's, it's kind of like a movie. I was walking home, um, like rainy day, like at night. And I was like, after that pitch happened, I'm like, what the heck do I do? Like, I didn't even know, should I go home? Should I go to the <laughs> office? What do I do? And, um, and so I ended up calling my, my parents at, at Brampton. I'm like, like they didn't know about the situation at all. Right. So I'm like, okay, I got to spill the beans and, and, you know, explain this whole thing I'm going through. And they just basically told me, come home and we'll work it out. No problem. Right. So like everything got resolved. No problem. But that, like that, whatever that day was leading up to that presentation and just trying to fight and show our worth and our value. And then the aftermath of like, shit, <laughs> like, yeah. we're screwed. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, now if something like that were to happen, uh, I would definitely, uh, have a different approach and mm-hmm. I would also not be, um, as affected, right? Because the more things that happen, you just kind of start rolling with it. Yeah. And, and you know that, you know, for every 10 good projects, there's going to be at least one bad project. And that's just how it goes. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you had to build a business from the ground up with only a hundred dollars, how would you leverage that? <laughs> um, I think one of the things I would do is because I personally would be able to build stuff like the website and the, and the logo and that, uh, I would create a really great uh, landing page with a video on it. And I would actually use the $100 to push that out there. So uh, Facebook ads probably because they're pretty efficient. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I might uh, sponsor a couple posts on like other influencer channels or, or um, so like depending on who the audience is. If there is someone's big on Instagram, someone's big on YouTube, I would probably um, buy a small ad on one of their channels as well mm-hmm. to uh, to get the message out there. And I would be very targeted at that point. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, now, my, the way now started was we started super wide and then we slowly became more niche mm-hmm. after that. Okay. Okay. Which app or online tool do you use every day to help contribute to your success? Um, I love using the... Uh, the Dropbox app, uh, it sounds silly, but for me, it's one of the ways that I could actually see all the content that we're producing. So, um, files that our various team members are working on are being added to Dropbox and I can, I can go in there and see them. I get sent links all the time, whether it's videos or, or design work. Um, and the second one that I use, uh, every day, um, or should be using every day is called Redbooth, which is just our task management system. So it gives me uh, a look as to what's up. Uh, you know, what's on the horizon and what we're working on as a company. Okay. What's the best advice you've ever received? Uh, the best advice has been, well, there's been a few, but one of them has been to niche, um, and, and tr- start to really focus on, on niching down. Uh, and the other piece that's even more relevant is, um, to build the business around, to basically build the business around my goals and my needs as opposed to, catering towards the types of clients and types of people that I'm already, that are already in my network. Right. And it's very easy to go down that path. Let's say that, you know, Hey, this is, this is what this client loves. We're going to make ourselves available. We're going to add a team member to do this type of work for this client. Cause you know, cause we like them. But in the end it's like, well, wait a second. 
Did I ever intend on doing that type of service when I started the company? No, right? Mm -hmm. So now um, we're actually going to be going um, over, going through a transition over 2018, uh, which is not so much, you know, we're not getting rid of all our clients, but um, we're going to start to filter the types of projects that are um, the type of work we want to do and in the three major industries that we want to work in. And we're going to do that by uh, all the new clients we take on should fit into that category. Okay. Okay. Tell us something that you think is true about business that most people don't agree with you on. <laughs> um, I would say it's not a specific thing, but I would just say like the fact that you do need to be uh, pretty alert and pretty, pretty on your phone all the time and that type of stuff. It's, it's not so much a need when you have there's Okay. So basically I'll put it this way. There's periods of your business where you're in like full grinding, hustling mode, right? Looking through Facebook groups for opportunities, responding to text messages for people that would normally not even be on your list, right? Mm-hmm. Literally like exploring every opportunity and um, sharing the work that you're up to, right? So a lot of people, uh, especially creatives, they'll go several months just doing work, like creating projects, and they don't share anything with the world. Then they realize, I have no more projects coming up, right? So there is periods where you need to be on your phone. You need to be posting. You need to be like responding to things in, in directories and platforms and whatnot. And um, a lot of times people tell me, you know, they try to give me advice like to spend less time being connected or to mm. disconnect more or, you know, spend less time on your phone. Uh, and that's one of the pieces of advice that they don't see it, that it's actually uh, not realistic to do that sometimes. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm still trying to, you know, Find a find a balanced approach, but I think that it, it's bad advice to just say, "Oh, worry about it later." Don't respond. Yeah, um, because that's not how the business world yeah, works. For sure, for sure, for sure. List your top three most influential books. Ooh, top three. So start with why is a huge one. Um, that one even helped me out when I was working on access, kind of redefining our mission, vision, stuff like that. Um, the Steve Jobs documentary, uh, not documentary, sorry, a biography was mm-hmm. great. Um, and in terms of a third one, I have so many books on my, on my shelf. Uh, I'll get back to you on that. Okay. There's, uh, I mean, I could say the Ask Gary V book, but his, his content is everywhere. So yeah. it's not so much the book. It's, it's more his content. Um, but yeah, the, the, the ones that get me, uh, that really have an impact on me are like real people sharing their stories mm-hmm. because you only see the success. Right from a public perspective, when you read the book, you actually know what went down. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Is there any last piece of value you can leave with our listeners? Yeah, I would say that um, if you're looking to start your own venture, for example, your own project, um, make sure that you know from the very beginning you're doing it for reasons that you know you can be proud of. Right? It's very easy to to let you know friends and parents and stuff rub off on you as to the direction you you choose right because mm-hmm. if you start with that wrong direction then no matter what you do later on you'll never get to something where you feel like super super passionate about right absolutely um so definitely find that and, and make sure that it's something you're passionate about because it's your it's your time right you're going to be giving up a ridiculous amount of hours yep. for this and you're actually going to be saying no to a lot of other things to make it happen um, so I'd make sure that you're super, super pumped and that it's your actual idea. Okay. Okay. And how can the Purposeful Story family reach out to you or follow you on your entrepreneurial journey? 
Um, best thing to do is visit my homepage, danielfrancovilla.com. Uh, I'm going to be uh, working on some other projects through my own blog and uh, potentially having a book coming out about how to start. So that's kind of one of my one of my next nice. projects. Um, don't know if it'll happen in 2018, but it's going to be happening for sure. There's a landing page, so it's it's real. Nice. <laughs> uh, and then also my company, uh, nowcreativegroup.com, is where you can find uh, agency services. Okay, okay. And what is your purpose as an entrepreneur? Uh, I feel like my purpose as an entrepreneur is to push a, a positive social purpose um, and, and basically spread positivity when it comes to um, business. And I love working with businesses that, you know, do social good, have a social good component. Um, but I really want to spread that positivity because there's a lot of businesses that are focused just on, you know, the hard cash and profits. And there's people that are out there doing work they're not passionate about. So what I love, uh, I think my purpose is to help those people really that are doing the right thing, help them do the right thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Thanks for coming on the show today, Daniel. We appreciate you coming on, man. No problem. That was that was great. Felt like I talked a lot, but hopefully there's some value in there for you. Oh, there's tons. There's tons. Thank you, Purposeful Story family, for listening to the Purposeful Story podcast. And remember, live every day with purpose so all your actions are clear. Talk to you later. That's all for this episode. I hope listening to this podcast left you with valuable information that either strengthened your purpose or helped bring you closer to finding your purpose. We all have a different journey in life, and this podcast is in support of everyone's purposeful journey. Thank you so much for tuning in, because without you, there is no Purposeful Story podcast. Please feel free to email me at info at iamkobe.com and let me know what you thought of this episode. To help spread the valuable information this podcast has to offer, all I ask is for you to subscribe to the podcast via the Apple Podcast app, Podcast Addict, Google Play Music, or CastBox, give a rating, and pass this podcast on to one friend that you feel could benefit from this information. Don't forget to follow I Am Kobe Talks on Instagram for updates on new episodes and go to iamkobe.com forward slash purposeful story for more valuable content. Special thanks to DJ Anna for the beats and Lala Wrights for the editing. Before you go, please remember that purpose drives your actions and your actions are a result of your purpose. Thanks again for listening. Talk soon.